Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to the Vice President of Global Innovation at DB Schenker, and his name is Eric Verzing. And if you're interested in innovation, you're going to love this episode. And if you're not interested in innovation, what's wrong with you? So let's not delay. Let's get Eric into the space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. Welcome, Eric. Welcome to CTO Confessions podcast. Many thanks for the invitation. Great to be here. Brilliant. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you and what do you do? So first of all, I'm Eric. So but uh, furthermore, I'm Eric Wilsing. I'm the head of uh, Global Innovation, or how we call it from the title, Vice President Global Innovation. And uh, innovation always is a big word for many, many things. So with my title, it's uh, I'm responsible for all innovation activities within our company at the DB Schenker. So we are a logistics company. So I always try to find out what might be interesting and relevant by tomorrow. That's Brilliant. what I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a beautiful role. It sounds like a role that I would love to be in, actually. Um, so how did you get to this position? What, what was the kind of meandering or direct journey to this place? That's a fantastic question. How do I get to this position? I would say it's the best, the best job I ever could have because uh, I have to deal with all industry, with all technologies, with all customer segments, with all countries in peril. So um, I would say to get such a job, somehow I think the most important attitude is curiosity because uh, I'm an extremely curious person. I wanted to know why is something like this? So what is the job to be done? Why are people acting and reacting like they do? So to really to go onto the fundament of their understanding, what is driving them? And uh, of course, I've done an apprenticeship uh, as a freight forwarder. So I really start from the scratch uh, from a logistic, as a logistic professional. And then furthermore, and, and later on, I've done several university degrees on uh, business administration, but mostly always with the focus on yeah, logistic and what might be then the next big thing for logistic. And somehow I'm now reporting also to the CIO CDO because um, there are most of the innovations we are driving at the moment are digital. So really starting from coming from logistic, coming with sales, then later on with this customer centricity approach, then really find out that our customers um, really have a big demand on innovation, digitalization. They want to get known from us as a Schenker and we are now getting next year 150 years. They really wanted to know what is driving us and how can we cooperate even, even more. And we do not have an innovation department in that time and place. So therefore, I apply for that, said I want to take that. And that was more or less per accident and to be in the right time and the right place yes. and arising in the right moment the hand said, I'm going for that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was the starting point. And I think I've done that uh, for innovation within our company around 2007, 2008. We started already to setting up such a department. I was, uh, before that, I was having a department we called system development. That was not IT system development. It was more about how to bring our system, um, our traffic organization in the land transport in a more better shape and better future. So there I was already dealing somehow with new ideas, new technologies, with telematic things, with new software applications. So that was quite new. So it was not 
purely today. How do we want to operate our business model by tomorrow? That was the starting point. And then coming with this uh, customer demand for innovation, then we set up a department called innovation that I've done for the first uh, four countries. That was uh, Germany, Netherlands, Belgium and Switzerland. And then since 2016 now, I'm heading this uh, globally, trying to catch up with all the crazy, cool possibilities around the globe. Yes. And there are many of them. And uh, the main story is always, and maybe just as a headline also, what is innovation within the company? And for me, it's always bringing new knowledge to the organization, because that is what it's all about. Bringing new knowledge and maybe in the best and easiest and the most effective way to the right people. Mm. But new knowledge, that's the headline. That's brilliant. I love it. You've definitely landed, you know, like a cat, you've landed on your, a technical cat that's landed on its feet. You know, you kind of landed exactly where you wanted to be and how you want to land. Um, and I can imagine uh, in the innovation storm that we all live in, okay, the world seems to be getting faster. The storm of innovation is getting faster, faster. Being in amongst that um, is um, is quite uh, a challenge, but also very exciting. So when you, when we talk about bringing new knowledge, um, uh, to the kind of uh, organization um actually i'm going to stay take a step back so what is your current engagement you're, you're currently working for db schenker um and what is the problem that 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 company that aspect of of this large organization what is the problem that they're solving in the market then so first of all we are a logistic company so let's say we are bringing things from a to b and we are storing them that is our uh, call it normal business model, to have this uh, dispatching, this organization part to organize the transport for everything. So we are uh, acting in the business units, land freight, ocean freight, air freight, and contract logistics. So this is, these are our main business units. But these business models are under pressure and uh, we have a lot of, let's say, changes in the whole industry and also in our customer sites and new challenges are out there. And that is then also something where we as a whole company have to deal with pandemic situation, of course, mm -hmm. is one major impact. So now we got the new wording, we are system relevant as a logistic company. Also something that we have never used before, but now, of course, the best logistic is always the logistic that nobody sees, nobody feels, that's just there and it's working. Mm -hmm. But as you can see, maybe by today in UK, so in England at the moment, they are lacking about more than 100,000 truck drivers. Yes. So now they really have a big pain that logistics is important. And if trucks are not running, if ships are not shipping, if airplanes are not flying, then the whole industry is uh, becoming some issues. And uh, that is something what we have to tackle, what we have to deal with. And uh, this uh, even last year with the, when the pandemic hits us, we have done a lot of, let's say, agile developments that changed uh, somehow our business models stepped into new corporations, stopped uh, working on certain things, jumped over to another opportunities. It was a big, let's say, a challenge, but also a great opportunity also for new things. Yes. And that is then something what we as an industry have to deal with to organize still that uh, that shipments are, let's say, available around the globe, finding a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. And when then in the Suez Channel, a, a, a ship is uh, stucking, the next challenge, <laughs> when in China and uh, harbor and corona infection is, and then harbors are for certain days and weeks are completely out of order. And uh, and you also maybe one big topic of what maybe most of the people don't know, around 70% of all air freight shipments are transported in passenger airplanes. And we all know passenger airplanes last year, they were not really flying. So now we have a big issue also to find the right capacity for air freight. So and that's a big topic. And now 
somehow after the pandemic, we are still in the pandemic, but industries are coming back, the lockdowns are going down, but uh, the biggest pain is now and the biggest challenge that we have to tackle capacity, 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 capacity. And uh, that in all transport modes, even rail freight is completely full. Uh, truck drivers are not available in whole Europe. We have in, by the way, just in a number. In Germany, the average age of a professional truck driver is around 58. We have in America 56, we have in Australia 65. Wow. So here we have a big, a big problem and a big challenge as well. So that's the reason why we as a logistic company who normally only want to transport things from A to B, now have to deal with automated driving, autonomous driving, um, heavy lifted cargo drones, tunnel concept, 3D printing, because there is not enough capacity on the market. So we really have to think about how to bring the shipments from A to B, how to organize that, how to fulfill our contracts with the, with the big suppliers and to keep the economy running. And that is something what we are doing. And I think there are not that many industries like, like us who is really always dealing with all industries in peril mm. and all legal setups on all in all countries on this globe. If there is a new technology, we have to deal with that. If there is a new regulation, we have to deal with it. If there's a new president somewhere who might is doing crazy things, it might have an influence to our business as well. Yeah. And of course, now we have the sustainability topic as well there. And that is also something that we have to tackle because there are many, many, many countries who want to reduce their carbon footprint, we as well. But of course, to be honest, and to be very transparent here, a lot of CO2 is coming because of logistics. Yes. So therefore, we are part of the problem. And we have a, let's say, self-responsibility to reduce that. And that's yeah. then also logistic and something what we have to deal with. I love that. I think kind of, uh, as you confessed, you know, uh, the logistics industry is part of the problem, but it's also, it is the solution. You know, it's uh, you know, the the world is a very different place. And 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 as you mentioned, um, you know, here in the UK, we're having a real challenge around truck drivers. I guess we're a demonstration of what happens when you don't, uh, deal with that, that. I mean, I, I don't know about the industry. I'm not an expert in it, but it's definitely had an impact on us in our day to day living, uh, especially around petrol. So, Eric, from, from your perspective, I mean, all this innovation, I mean, there's lots of opportunities here. How do you figure out which is the one that you're going to go for? Because there are loads of opportunities. I mean, technology has become, become a, such an enabler, um, but it's almost a problem in itself, you know? It is indeed. And uh, I think when I started at Schenger, I still had full hair. So you can imagine there are, let's say, too many things at the same time, and you really have to think about it. And the, the, the crazy thing in our times at the moment is that there are so many great, cool, interesting technologies and opportunities out there. And the biggest challenge always is to focus, to really find the right focus, the right uh, portfolio for your company. I think if I would really have this kind of crystal ball and to see what will be the next big thing, Maybe I would be maybe self-employed and doing something crazy yeah. or sitting on the island with a small drink and uh, enjoying life. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's not the, that's the target. But sometimes it's a kind of a bet. So you you really have to try something. You have to test something. Also, when you're cooperating with startups, of course, they can fail. It's a kind of a venture activity. And when you're starting to cooperate with a startup, and um, our main target is always then to make it as big as possible and to reuse it. Excellent. And this touches onto a fascinating subject because it sounds like you're you're taking the ideas and solutions and experimenting with them and, and trialing them. And then it kind of hits a wall because then it's legislation, then it's then it's regulation. Um, from that, from your position and, and the work that your company does, 
And do you get involved in government agencies to kind of say, look, we've got a solution here, but we can't do anything with it? Slightly. Yeah, yes, we're doing that. So you, as you can see in our logo, we are Deutsche Bahn, so German railway organization. And of course, they are state owned and uh, we are uh, using them in the best way. And the circumstances, they're coming more from the rail freight. They are purely rail freight, more in passenger transport, but also with DB Cargo into that. But they are very close to the German government and also to the European government. And of course, when it comes to legislation, when it comes to somehow lobbying, motivating, bring the right things in, and also to getting funding for topics, then there is a possibility via Deutsche Bahn, via DB, to have a direct link. But uh, that's not everything what we are doing, because it's also about having the right um, university, universities in your portfolio or scientific institutes, because they are also doing somehow similar things. They always wanted to get funding for new technologies, for new possibilities. And when they're getting funding from the government, they always have the, the let's say, the obligation to invite also companies into such a funding project. And that's the reason why we always, uh, not always, but we are, we'll really like to, in, uh, to participate in this electromobility funding projects or then new ways of flying, new ways of working. When it comes to for people and for technologies, then there are good and great opportunities. But also to be quite honest, a funding project is always interesting. Also when you have maybe also a customer of you as well in such a project, because it's a different form of customer bonding. But in the end, it must also work without the funding. So yeah. therefore, the most of the initiatives and projects we are doing, they were, of course, we are doing a somehow a calculation, sometimes uh, taking the, then the risk, then because you can fail when there is no um, experience so far available. But um, having the freedom also in the company to to fail is then absolutely important. And mm. again, um, finding the right focus is by because no one can have the knowledge about everything. So it's bringing, bringing the right people together. Listen to your customer. That is what the most of the companies are missing at the moment. Yes. So really having this kind of customer centricity, because even when you develop the, the most coolest with your own thoughts, the most coolest whatever kind of business model on earth, except that is something what the market was desperately waiting for. Believe me, 80% of all your great ideas, no one needs. And when you're challenging them the first time to the market and brings brings it out to the market, then there will be maybe no market for your business model. So really involving, not telling the customer everything what you are doing, because sometimes that might also frighten them up, but um, to involve them on the right place with strategic customers, having this kind of cooperation on new things is something what customers are demanding for. They're really waiting for that. They want to have this, uh, and they also want to have consultancy for them how to change their supply chain management in the future, how to help them. And then really starting this kind of strategic corporations are coming more and more over the last years. And uh, we really like that yes. because no one is alone. We all are living in ecosystems. And of course, uh, having an ecosystem with everyone is also not good. So, but people and companies with the same mindset, with the same attitude, where you trust each other in the end, it's a people topic. People yeah. have come together. Yeah. I love that. It's a great topic for tech leaders out there because, uh, you know, tech leaders, uh, the men and women kind of driving the technology within the companies, um, they are uh, the kind of enablers of innovation and the creators of space for innovation and sometimes not knowing how to do that. And what I love what you said there around the kind of focus is, is use what's already there, which is that customer centricity. They will help you. They will, they will let you know what they need. 
And, and sometimes people think, okay, Yaroshenka, you're a huge company, you're a global company, 130 countries, 76,000 people, you have enough money to do everything. So, no, to be honest, no. Mm. Of course, we are extremely cost sensitive and we also have to find a way. And sometimes it might be even easier working in a smaller company or a middle-sized company to make something happen. Because then you have, let's say, one managing director, one person who's driving. But of course, when that person is having a bad day, then also a problem. But in our circumstances, we have a lot of governance, a lot of legal setups, a lot of um, rules that we have to follow. Mm -hmm. And in the end, I'm always, as I said, a big fan of open innovation because for innovation, it's the same like sales, it's the same like marketing, HR. When there is cost pressure, these are always the first departments where are getting some cost cuttings mm. because um, they are not bringing EBIT by tomorrow. And mm. uh, when you're talking to some board members and you're talking to different people, they, they are sometimes coming back. Everything that does not bring a revenue within 12 months is not on my table. So, yeah. Okay, that's a hard time then for innovation. Yeah. But therefore, you always need a kind, and I'm always telling the people we need a kind of a portfolio. When somebody is really asking, what kind of innovation do we have? What can we offer to the customer? That you're showing, here are some low-hanging fruits. Here are something that where we have already some experience somewhere from something. And that therefore, it's the first step is always getting a transparency. What's already ongoing? Collecting these topics, not to take it away from the people who are driving it. No, just to know, oh, there is uh, somebody driving that special crazy cargo bike or a scanning item, whatever, to bring that together, make it visible. Because starting from there, then you have more freedom also for your midterm and long-term topics. Because as an innovation from the theory, you should only act into midterm and long-term activities. So three years plus. Yes. But if I, I would only have topics that are available within three years and more, believe me, I would have some other pressure on my shoulders. Mm. And therefore you need always this kind of low hanging fruits that you can give something to somebody that they see there is something and what you can give to them quite easily is knowledge. And yeah. really the experience from people who are working already on a certain way. And you can imagine with our 76,000 people, there are many, many extremely cool colleagues who might have developed something totally great, but nobody knows. So to find them, to find a way to make it visible that everybody knows in the organization, there is somebody who has already dealt with that same issue and he found a solution exactly like that. And now let's bring it over also to my country, to my branch, let's make them happen. And that is something, this transparency is, was the first step when I five and a half years ago founded, or let's say started with this global innovation approach. It was awesome because when I was uh, announced as the head of global innovation, then the board came to me and said, Eric, now you're responsible for global innovation. You have to know everything what's going on at Schenker, all innovations you have to know. I said, okay, how many people do I get? <laughs> yes. So that's a big challenge, but uh, you have to find an easy way that people are communicating and dealing together with you. And uh, seeing also that you are not taking everything from them away, that is never the target and never, let's say, my um, understanding to to um, to cooperate with colleagues because it's all about one team with one goal, bringing things together, make it visible. And therefore, I maybe a small uh, topic that we have done, we established directly more than five years ago an innovation magazine to publishing the great stories from the company and from the great people. Mm -hmm. And then we have every page, there's only one page per topic with the name, that's the name, who's driving that, more storytelling approach, a fancy design, and everybody wants to be a part of that innovation magazine. And so I'm collecting stories and solutions and great things from over the globe because everybody wants to be a part of this magazine. Yes, 
from, coming from behind. But the effect is that we have now a wide knowledge and portfolio, what we are having. And of course, a big step was and also corporations with startups, with scientific institute to get even more, publishing the results directly then via the innovation magazine. Mm. We also have now in already since, oh my goodness, five years, um, a monthly open innovation call that people can participate, learn, join, just listen for half an hour. It's in the morning, in the afternoon to have also, let's say, America and Asia mm. colleagues are participating. We are inviting startups. We are inviting great colleagues and uh, everybody can join that call. It's uh, we don't care about hierarchies or whatever. Everybody has the right setup and motivation. And I think some people only joining to listen to some English because, uh, yeah, why not having half an hour English lesson and the side effect is learning some <laughs> latest yes. innovation. I love it. And, and, and this, 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 this is great what you've kind of described here. This, uh, this um, you know, um, yeah, obviously, uh, you know, DB Schenker sit at a kind of very large scale. They're kind of the, the bigger, the kind of the, probably the bigger kind of uh, size systems. But you also realise that the pain that the kind of like the macro and the micro level, you know, going down to the kind of individual deliveries uh, in the streets um, and movement. Um, I mean, do you see the kind of idea of open sourcing some of this stuff? So, um, so the context you come up with, you're thinking, well, we're going to open source that so people can then start using it, you know? Absolutely. Uh, we recently launched, and I think it will happen in this uh, these days. So it was scheduled for in two weeks, but I think we will launch it earlier. It's the Open Logistics Foundation. So really setting up an own uh, fundament for an open source approach. Uh, that as a really joint cooperation with a Fraunhofer IML. So IML is for Institute for Material Flow and Logistic from, from Dortmund, from Germany, but it's a European approach and everybody really can join. And uh, it's the, also the first time where DHL, Renos, Daxer, Schenkers, all of the competitors are really joining such an open source approach to really work on that because we there are Asian companies are coming, American companies are coming here in Europe. We somehow have to join the forces. Yes. And uh, of course, um, in the end, the software, so your transport management system, your warehouse management system will not be the differentiator. It's all about uh, fast connectivity to your customer, having a great service when it comes to delivery, to speed, to circumstances, an easy payable pay, pay per use model or whatever it is in the end. So there are different approaches, but it will not be your dedicated software. So therefore, there are topics where you can really bring that into an open source. Yes. It's a new way of working and thinking also for us, because normally, let's say 20 years ago, nobody knows what logistic people are doing. That We had a completely intransparent market. And that was our business model, because nobody understood where to get a truck driver from, where to get a truck, how, what's about this insurance things and all the circumstances. I have no clue. Schenker, take it and please bring it from there to there. So completely intransparency. But now we have a full 100% transparency for everything we have now we are talking about iot sensoric information telematic things everybody knows everything via click and whatever you can book a truck very easy on that on a portal on a, on a on a marketplace so therefore at the moment you have you have to provide exactly this 100 transparency or you're out of business yeah. because customers are demanding exactly for that and then you're very easy to compare what is dhl doing what is schenker doing what is Nagel? but in the end it's not only about the price. Of course, our customers are extremely price sensitive, but now new things are coming. Please make it CO2 neutral. 
please make it uh, stored in between. Can you also uh, offer additive manufacturing, so 3D printing for some spare parts? Can you um, do some fulfillment services? Can you do the last mile delivery? So there are so many different aspects now that are coming all to logistic that we have to deal with. And therefore, they're a great opportunity, but uh, it's not about the pure software. That's the fundament of what we are doing, but therefore joining forces for certain topics to speed up is exactly the right way. I love that. That's, that's great. And um, and I was going to ask you a question around what's your passion, but I think you've kind of conveyed that. I can hear it in your voice. You, you love you love the space that you're in and, and creating innovation. And um, so, from your experience of being in this space and, and with a very prestigious company uh, like like the one you're working for at the moment, um, what advice would you give to um, tech leaders out there, or, or even the kind of CEOs of organisations that kind of talk about innovation? but they don't really kind of, um, maybe the penny doesn't quite drop. What advice would you give to them around creating the right foundations and the right environment for innovation? Um, first of all, I think uh, the, the advice would be um, just do it. So really hiring a person, I think that there's no need that the, the CEO or the managing director or whoever is driving the company is the expert in IT. I think it would be even a problem if that is the most intelligent person at the moment in IT, because then he always want to be he or, he or she want to be a part of the story. But uh, really hiring the right people with the right mindset and give them as much freedom as possible, and also give them time. So, and I would say also some advice what I've now seen with several companies already, also with suppliers, and we have some innovation networks, but we're also sharing what's the main success factor for innovation companies and the innovation departments. It's always this kind of yeah cooperation with suppliers, with companies, with scientific institutes, with universities. Mm -hmm. It's not about big budgets. Of course, budget and money always helps for certain things. And when you want to test something, but uh, and also to very blunt on that. So, if you're a startup and if you want to have a foot into the door with a logistic company, then it's sometimes it's enough for the startup to have the possibility to use you as a reference because at the beginning they have no customer, no reference, nothing. So they want to test. So just offer them the greenfield, offer them support. Inviting startups is such an easy way and also cheap way to start, start something. Open challenges that we have a problem with and who's there? Who can solve that problem? And there are not big price tags needed in the end. Startups want to have a pilot. They want to have a proof of concept, an MVP. And if, if it's really helping, yeah, then use it because it makes sense, if that makes sense. If it makes no sense, then as a goodie, they're getting you as a reference that you tested them, some marketing, sometimes already enough. And another big, big resource is universities. Students are desperately waiting for topics to write <laughs> their yes. bachelor or master thesis. Yes. So having uh, giving a lecture on a university, I'm doing it quite on a frequent base to tell the people what's innovation all about, what's the logistics of the future, what's telematic, what's uh, HL project management, whatever. So there are certain topics where just knock on the door, university here. I don't take money for that. It's just somehow marketing and finding the right people. Mm. So and that is something what is so easy to do. Just have somebody in, in charge here. I'm the head of innovation, I'm the innovation lead, whatever. And also take in mind that innovation is not always digital. There are so many operational technology driven things that are completely non-digital. So when it comes to electromobility, hydrogen trucks, of course, there are some digital behind, but um, that's more the CTO 
part then. So then you also always have to combine it with CIO, CDO, CTO. So all this crazy thing. And in the end, um, you always need connection to customers. So giving such a person or department, whatever you start with, also the possibility to ask and interview customers is important. And also when you're having new technologies uh, in your company, give some apprentices, give some interns the responsibility for such a technology. By uh, giving young people responsibility for a topic to explore it, to test it, to write a small concept, they are sometimes a little bit naive and that is cool because they don't have this, let's say 100 years of experience in your company. They know there's a problem, there might be a solution. Let's see how we are matching that. And yeah. therefore giving somebody the responsibility and also if you are the, the, the head of such a company or the, the managing director, just be honest to yourself that you are not the expert but you want to have a future future readiness for your company, then hire one, two, three people and the rest might be also corporations. There's no need for 50-person department, not in the first step. When you're doing later crazy things, different story, but the beginning is giving somebody the clear statement, maybe also the title that everybody in the company knows who I can contact mm -hmm. and where is the person. So. When I was announced uh, five and a half years ago as a head of global innovation, I got so many emails from different colleagues. They were desperately waiting that somebody took over this responsibility because they all had fantastic, great ideas, but they had no idea where to address that. And that is something where when you have a great company and great people, just ask them and don't shoot on them when they have done something wrong. Yeah. Absolutely not. That's also then the big topic that you are showing by example that mistakes are happening, that even startup corporation can fail, that uh, new technologies are not always completely tested. So sometimes you have to show that also failure could be could happen and that uh, that's not an issue. But yeah. we are learning out of that. Brilliant. And that's then the next big thing. If something went wrong, yeah, fantastic. Then let's take it as a learning. Then we know how it's not working. So here you go, Eric, here's an interesting and, uh, and a strange question maybe for yourself. As an innovator, as a global leader of innov innovation, what keeps you up at night? Huh. When I have the possibility to sleep. So no, um, <laughs> there are yeah many, many things. So it's all about uh, what brings us further, what might be a differentiator to our competitors. Because even if you are one of the biggest logistics service provider on this earth, the market share is quite small. And also to find a way how we are setting our business model really future ready. And uh, so let's say coming from technology, from opportunities, from new business models, from the new startups. But of course, uh, what keeps me uh, awake in the night is also the topic of where to get uh, the right, the next funding. Where, which people do I have to involve? Um, what is the story that I can tell to make it more tangible? Because innovation is also somehow storytelling. Mm -hmm. And uh, you always have to think about, okay, what will be the impact and the influence and how to set it to the right, in the right time to the right person? That is something we always, always uh, uh, have to think about what is the right moment? Because even if you have the best idea ever, when the timing is wrong and you bring it to your board or to the market, then you will fail. Mm. And therefore, you have to be somehow as a part of a connector in the company, well connected to, to everything and everywhere. 
to really have this kind of uh, um, ideas where it would make sense. And also always to think about the other way around. If you're offering something to somebody, what is the, the value for them? Because that is then even more interesting because when the story is that I'm bringing a new software application and new technology to you because you will be then the, the hero of everything and you are, uh, can be faster with your shipments, whatever, then it's easier to establish. But when I'm telling you, you have to do something like that, then it's always hard. So that is really something that's keeping me awake in the night to what are the new opportunities. And uh, when I saw something and I'm a big fan of a lot of blogs and uh, uh, influencers, so you're getting so many crazy ideas all over the day. And then I'm always thinking about, okay, what, which of these uh, technologies or new solutions or startups might be an interesting case for our company? Let's say, for example, I wanted your job. Okay, Eric, and I wanted to become a, an innovation kind of leader and what have you. And, and I imagine there's many, many, many um, aspiring uh, tech leaders that want to be more in the innovation space. What would your advice be to get into that? Again, curiosity, curiosity, curiosity. Um, network is helping in all directions, internally, externally. Emotional intelligence, having the possibility to um, to talk to people and to to really understand what is driving them. You do not have to be the most intelligent person on earth, absolutely not, but you know who is an intelligent person and then connecting these uh, people and bringing them together. Somehow sales oriented is always helpful because as an innovation guy, you always have to sell something. It's a story, it's an opportunity. You really have to motivate people and uh, therefore you're somehow HR oriented, sales oriented, Curiosity is a big topic, and of course, you need somehow a fundament of understanding of your industry. Mm. Otherwise, it uh, might be a challenge to be really then that person. But in the end, not a matter of uh, um, age, not a matter of if you're a man or a woman, whatever, absolutely not. But uh, having, so in, in our industry, internationality is always helpful, but also not a must have. But the openness to listen to international people, to have a diverse mindset and thinking, and this kind of open mindset and and pragmatic way so not too much scientific driven so if you're coming with a lot of theories and a lot of uh, quotes from clever people you will um, not get the, the fundament or let's say the standing within your company yeah. try to think and act as the people from your company and don't make it too complex and complicated because otherwise they also yeah these are the people from the ivory tower they all have a bachelor and master degree and they have a phd whatever they don't act and work like we here the people who are doing the the, the daily work mm -hmm. so really show that you are there and talk like they are talking so like the voice in your company and uh, yeah and be as pragmatic and uh, then the rest is also luck so that is also the right time and the right moment. And if you're a little bit uh, having the, the fable or the possibility to have this kind of storytelling idea, that's helpful. So as we come to the end of the podcast together, uh, it's been wonderful listening to you. I've, I've got so many questions, and but it's just limitation of time, Eric. Sure. Um, what's your key takeaway that you'd like to leave uh, for the men and women tech leaders out there? Um, who are kind of working in the technology space. And, and as you described, innovation isn't just in the technology space, in other areas as well. What, what would be your key takeaway for innovation for everybody? So 
so I think the, the best and the most that I just underlined several times is now be curious, curious, curious. So really honest curiosity to people. Try to understand what is driving them, giving them the freedom to speak, to act together. It's not about uh, governance and structures and regulations. If you're finding a way within your company to that people can meet and work on a certain topic for a certain time, don't care about how they are doing that. They are just give them the trust and the openness to work where they believe in that makes sense. So like something like Shark Tank. So when you know this uh, TV show from America or uh, Höhle der Löwen in Germany, so there are several of these formats around the globe, you can establish something similar in your company. People are coming to you as a board saying you, I need 20,000 euro, I need, or I need no money. I need just half a year of freedom to work on that certain topic. I'm allowed to do that. Is it? Go for it with the clear possibility that that person will fail. But that is something where if a person is really burning for money and really his heart and his whole um, attitude is going this direction, give that person the possibility to do it. Because when you're not finding a way that these people with these great ideas are acting for your company, they will go out of the company and working against your company. Yes. So therefore, you have to find a way to motivate, stimulate these people to bring this great idea to make them visible. In the end, it's educating people, giving them the possibility to shine. The most important thing, give them the possibility to shine. Don't take it always as that was a decision by the board and the board has done blah, blah, blah. No, the board is there. Yeah, fantastic. They are giving the money, they are sponsoring everything. But in the end, they're also firing the people. But in the end, the people are the difference. And therefore, trying to have a look and an, an eye on differentiating uh, I'm always saying USP is quite hard, a unique thing, but a differentiating selling proposition might be possible within your industry and company. And I like the DSP part more because you really have to think about what is different within our company than other companies. And, and the easiest answer is always the people. And then make them different, that they are shining differently. And that's the first big thing. And then Really, it's not about money. It's not about um, big resource pools, whatever. No, giving the right people the possibility to shine and trust them that they will act in the best way for the company. Amazing, cool things are happening. Great note to finish on because I absolutely love that. The, the people, you know, change the way the people are able to work and what have you. And they're coming back to that human element. So thank you very much, Eric. It's been great having you on board. And, and I'm, I hope to connect with you again to kind of ask you lots of those million questions that got lined up for you. So thank you very much, sir. Thanks a lot for inviting me. Wow, what a gentleman and what a job. I am right this moment suffering from job envy. It must be exciting, dynamic and a creative and eye-opening space to work in especially through the innovation storm we all tech leaders are trying to navigate through. So, what were your key takeaways? I hope this podcast inspires you tech leaders out there. Yes, I'm pointing at you. I hope it inspires you to find the space to do some innovating and not just in the tech space. Because innovation comes in many forms, shapes and resides in different contexts. Me personally, in my leadership, I love innovating the way we as teams work in organisations. Yes, be inspired to innovate. Find that space. Anyway, here are my three key takeaways. Number one, find the low-hanging fruit and don't get so fixated on the big visions, the stuff that's really out there in the distance. Some things can help right now. The words that come to mind are micro or macro innovations that are the low-hanging fruit. 
things that can make a difference sooner rather than later. And my second key takeaway is in the arena of logistics, the area that Eric works in, and how things can be delivered virtually. That was a real key takeaway for me. These wonderful tools for 3D printing. And as mentioned, it's a kind of teleportation of objects like that using ISS. Don't send it, print it. And my third and final key takeaway is an appreciation for the challenges and magnitude of the logistical choreography that is happening around the world, all around the world right now, and how D.B. Schenker and Eric work to solve these. But not only on their own, they also collaborate with different providers in the space, including grassroots smaller companies to provide some of the innovation. The challenges are that big that even large enterprises need the help of smaller companies to create the shifts that are needed. So Eric, I thank you for taking the time out of your very busy diary. I look forward to seeing D.B. Schenker's solutions being fed into the logistical space for a smoother and more environmentally friendly system of logistics from manufacturers all the way to those doorsteps at our homes. And as Thomas Edison once said, there is a way to do it better. Find it. Thank you again, Eric. Keep being that innovation warrior. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.